John chapter 9 is where we're out of this morning. We're going to be just reading an excerpt out of this chapter as we're going through this wonderful book, this wonderful account by John. But look at verse 1 in chapter 9. It says, as he passed, speaking of Jesus, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, it was not this man that sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent us while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and he made mud with the saliva, and then he anointed the man's eyes with mud. And he said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and he washed, and he came back seeing. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, It is he. Others said, No, but he is like him. He kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, Then how were your eyes opened? And he answered them, The man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go and wash in the pool of Siloam. So I went and I washed and received my sight. And they said to him, where is he? And he said, I do not know. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we love your word. It speaks to our heart this morning. God, we thank you for this account of a healing of a man who was blind. Lord, this man had no hope in his life. It, it was not like blindness as we might experience it today. But Lord, he had no hope of, of ever attaining anything in society. But you were there, and you took mud made from your very spit and the dirt that you created. You rubbed it on his eyes. And Lord, there was healing in that obedience as he went to the pool of Siloam. Lord, I pray today that we are are obedient to your word. That Lord, when you send us, that we go. Father, when you call us, we answer. You are such a good and amazing God. We ask you today that you would speak to our hearts, that we would be forever changed, and that we would leave this place, a church that is on fire for you, in your most holy name. Amen. I love this story. It's kind of odd, I'll give you that. Usually people don't like spit on their eyes. I don't know about you, but I'm not a real big fan of spit in my eyes. I have a three-year-old, and I've experienced that recently. And I love my three-year-old, but I really don't care for his spit in my eye. But it happens. It happens. But here's Jesus, and you know he's coming along, and these disciples are pointing out this guy. Hey, why is, why is he a sinner? Like, you know, like what, what happened here? Why, why is he blind? And Jesus pulls them away from this thought that, you know, it's something, that, something he's done that caused this. And he pulls him, pulls him into a, a new mindset. And the mindset is this, is that God can be glorified in anything. And that this has happened so that God might be glorified. And I want to I ask you today, what rough things are you going through in your life? Because here's how we, see, here's how we like, come across it in our own minds. We think, well, this bad thing's happening to me right now, so maybe God just doesn't love me. You ever felt that way? 
Maybe God has forsaken me. Maybe God is this, this, he really doesn't care about my situation. But church, what I want you to hear today from this story is that God is aware of your situation and that through that situation, he can be glorified. So hang tight. Keep trusting. Keep loving. Keep believing. Keep following after this, this Lord and this Savior. And, it, and we read through that and Jesus does this. You know, he bends down and it's kind of the second account in this book where we see Jesus playing in the dirt. Anybody here ever like to play in the dirt? <laughs> and I wondered, you know, Jesus, as he's, as he's bending down, you know, and he's in the, in the other account, he's riding in the dirt. And now he bends down and he, he makes some mud out of the dirt. But I think that this creator heart of God, he's looking at this planet that he created perfectly. And out of that dust, he created man. We all know that from the Genesis account. And we know from John chapter one that Jesus created everything. And here he is, maybe a little bit frustrated with people. You know, the disciples, the very elect, the very ones who were following him so closely at the time, they wanted to equate this man's blindness with some failure on his or his parents' behalf. And Jesus is like, you know what? We're not, this is not what we're called to. This is not what I'm calling you to. I'm calling you to go proclaim the truth and that truth will set you free. What a beautiful message we see out of this. Jesus sending this man to the pool of Siloam, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting thought because uh, not only does this guy have spit and mud in his eye, but he has to walk to this pool with spit and mud in his eye. And he's blind, by the way. We, we hadn't forgot that, right? He's blind and he's walking and he's got mud down his face and he goes to this place and he washes his eyes and now he can see. That's a, that's a good story. It looks like you could end it right there. But in the story, what we see is that people were like, oh, that's not him. You know, that's not him. That's somebody that looks like him, but it's not him. That's somebody, you know, maybe he, maybe he could really see before and he was just faking it this whole time. People will always try to get, get you down. And in particular, if the Lord does something good in your life, people want to take that away from you. But you know what? We are blessed by the Lord. And that blessing is an eternal blessing. If you are saved today, you ought to be happy because in that salvation, that is something that lasts for all time. You can't lose that because it wasn't any work that you've done. It was a perfect work by a perfect God who wants to redeem mankind. And if you are saved today, that, that gift is forever. And you may have people saying, well, yeah, I remember how you were back in the day. I saw you driving last week and I saw what you did with that middle finger. I saw that. People will always try to come against you. But what we have to live in is the fact that Jesus is the light of the world, that Jesus is the one who is in control. And our salvation is based upon him. Jesus rejects their formulations that they came up with. And, and he, he tells them, you know what? This is not what this is even about. This is happening right now that God might be glorified. And understand, when Jesus is talking, he's in his mind. He knows the coming days, what's going to happen not too long. That he would, be, he would have to suffer torture and humiliation and carry the cross to Calvary. That, that he would be hung up on there as a common thief. And in that moment, he, he will, he, he's trying to help them to understand because I believe in his own heart of hearts that he understands that God can be glorified in anything, even a crucifixion. Even a crucifixion. Church, I want you to take heart today. Whatever you've been through, understand that God can be glorified in it. I've been through some rough times in my life, and I'm like, why? This doesn't make any sense. 
Lord, why, why would you, you know, if I am your child, if I, if, if I am if someone that you chose, that you have called out, why, 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 why do I have to go through this? And the overriding message that we all must glory in today is that God is powerful enough and his will is perfect. And whatever we're going through, we can be, we can come out okay in it. As a believer in Jesus, truly you will never be any more blessed than you are right now because you have eternal life. That's a sure thing. Don't, don't act like, well, you know, I want to get saved so that when I die, I go to heaven. Do you realize that Jesus said that whoever believes in him should not what? Perish. Death is not really something that really affects the believer because we have been given eternal life, not when we die, but right now in this moment. We walk in eternal life right now, church. Man, that ought to make you happy. You know, that ought to make the church come alive. I know a lot of times at church, it's Sunday mornings, you went through the worship, you've been through Sunday school, maybe you had some donuts next door, those carbs are kicking in, you're tired. Church, we ought to look alive when it comes to talking about Jesus because we are so blessed. Jesus is that one who is glorified through it all. But you may be asking today, what is the will of God? What does that will of God look like? What's the nature of the will of God? And as you guys know, we're going through this book and, and we're really kind of getting a picture of who Jesus is. All these little thoughts and you know that, that John throws out there, these little pictures, these character analysis that John throws out there. You know, a lot of people say that the, the gospel of John is kind of the simple gospel, but I look at it, and maybe it's because I'm simple-minded, I'm not sure, but I look at it and I get a whole lot out of it. Because it really does paint a an accurate picture as to who Jesus is. And his will today is something that cannot be changed. If you're following him today, whatever he has willed for us, it's going to happen. This church has been here 123 years. Is that right? 123 years. What has this church seen in 123 years? Seen statehood? I don't think anybody's here that was there when, at the beginning, were you? <laughs> they might not admit it anyways, right? I, I guarantee if I'd been here 123 years ago, I'd be admitting it. I'd be like, yeah, I'm still here. I'm a tough old codger. Yes, I am still here. But in 123 years, you know, it's seen world wars. It's seen depressions. It's seen dust bowls. It's seen a, a change in society. It's seen changes in presidents. It's seen a few pastors come through here. It's seen people come to the Lord. It's seen people being baptized and following him, obedient. Seeing people go from these doors as missionaries and as, as pastors. And it's just a beautiful thing. And how does this happen? This will of God. I want you to understand this that when Jesus said that the church, and I know he's not necessarily talking just about McLeod, but he does, he is saying this that the church, the body of Christ, that even the gates of hell will not prevail against this body. And if you look around today, are we still here? You even got some preacher from Southeast Oklahoma to come up here and be your pastor. What a, what a blessing it is to see God work. How he puts us together for a time and for a season, and his will is something that God determines himself. That encourages me today. The first point I would say out of this passage of scripture is that God's will is a determined occurrence. Do you realize that from eternity past, God determined that I would be sitting here preaching this sermon on this very day? That blows my mind. 
That God would determine that I would be here in this place. That God determined that you would be sitting in that pew. That God would determine that, that Brother John would come here and talk about the Gideons. You know, I mean, God gave us this opportunity to be here, but his will is something that determines where we're at, and it doesn't change. I know we can go out here and we can do what we want. You could have stayed home today, but you didn't. Are you that good on your own to get up on a Sunday morning and come to church? Or is that a work of God? I believe it's the will of God that, that is something that doesn't change. When we read here in verse 3, Jesus answered when the disciples were throwing this, trying to throw, a, I guess, a monkey wrench in the cog work here. I mean, this is this beautiful occurrence and that's about to happen. But they're trying to say, well, this guy's a sinner. His parents are a sinner, you know. They rooted for the University of Texas or whatever. You know, I mean, they're, they're throwing out all this stuff. There's any University of Texas fans here? Okay, good. But the works of God might be displayed. So it's this idea that God is in control of these works, that his will is something he is in control of. Now, I want to I ask you something today. Have you ever wanted something? You ever had a dream on your own? You ever thought, this is, this is the will of Daniel, and this is what I'm going to do? It wasn't too long ago that, um, you know, I, went to, I was going to go to a restaurant. Uh, it's a real fancy restaurant that's in, located in Shawnee, and it's called Taco Bell. I don't know if you've ever been there, but they have the finest of Mexican delicacies at Taco Bell, right? And so we go through the drive-thru, and I'm really, I'm, you know what I'm thinking right now? I'm thinking cheesy gordita crunch, like the best thing in the world, right? I love it anyways. But I'm like, I'm going to give me two cheesy gordita crunches and maybe some of those little cinnamon twists, and I'm going to just call it good. So we're driving through the line, and I go up there to order, and the, the lady at the, at the register, she's, you know, she's talking to me through this little box, and she's, she's like, well, she says, I won't let you know that we don't have all the food that we normally have, so just to let you know that. And I was like, okay. I said, well, what don't you have? And she says, well, we don't have beef. I was like, okay, so we're going to go the chicken route today, right? I was like, well, okay, I would like, you know, a couple chicken tacos or, you know, always, always looking at stuff like that. And she says, no, we don't have chicken either. Okay, well, I guess a bean burrito will just have to suffice. I'll take, no, sir, we do not even have beans. I'm like, well, what do you have? She goes, we have tortillas. <laughs> this is no joke. This happened in Shawnee, Oklahoma, right off Kickapoo. And like, I waited, like I'm in line and there's three people in front of me who are waiting on their, I guess, tortillas. I can't even leave the place. You know, I'm just sitting there, like just waiting to get out of this place. Me and Joni are like, what in the world is going on? My will was that I would have a taco that day. But you see how powerful Daniel's will is? I can't even get a good tortilla from Taco Bell. And here we see that the will of God is not like that at all. It's not something that might or might not happen. The will of God is a sure thing. It's determined. The will of God for you, well, here's what I want you to understand, that when we get into the will of God, it will happen. There, there could, you know, the government could come down and say that Christianity is illegal, they could come shut every church down and the church could still survive in America today. And we see that in the world. There's a lot of governments that have come down on the church and the church still survives. I think of our brothers and sisters in Ukraine, bombs flying everywhere. And what I keep seeing are reports of people worshiping Jesus in a war zone. How beautiful is that? God's will is a determined occurrence. It's going to happen. And God in his redemptive work can take our seemingly hopeless situation and he can be glorified in that. And the message in this, in this story today is take hope. We're not, we're not without hope. 
I keep seeing, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of revitalizing some ministries within the church, which by the way, we're, we're doing VBS this year. Amen. <laughs> you guys get to hear from my sister here in just a few minutes as soon as I get done preaching. But, but, uh, as, as we think about it, VBS coming up, how, how does VBS happen? Do you open a box and everything just magically happens? No, it, it's not how it works. You know, we, we don't just say, well, but, but how it works is when the body of Christ comes together and they understand that, for instance, Vacation Bible School, I believe, is God's will that he wants the children in McLeod to what? To know Jesus, to hear the gospel. And here we are, gospel bearers. Why aren't we doing that? And so if we come together, there's nothing that can stop us from doing things like that. There's nothing that can stop us from having Sunday morning service. Because I believe God's will is that powerful. And even in a hopeless situation, let's say, for instance, and this is not going to happen, by the way, because I'm going to guilt trip everybody until you're all involved in VBS this year. I'm just kidding. Not really. It depends. If I don't have to guilt trip you, I won't. But pastors use that from time to time. But let's say there was just four or five people that volunteered for something God had called us to. Do you think it's still possible? It is, isn't it? It's still possible. It's because God, through God, all things are possible. I mean, I think that's really what the essence of what his will is. It's if his will, it's going to happen. And even through a dark situation, it's still going to happen. He's still going to be glorified. The second thing I would look at is that God's will has a determined season, okay? Now, sometimes we want God's will to happen right now. You ever been there? Lord, I want that brand new pickup truck right now. Lord, I want this perfect job right now. Lord, I I want a taco right now. (laughs) We pray those types of things, but what we have to understand is that it is God's will, right? And so if he's determined it and it's going to happen and it's a sure thing, it will happen when it's ready to happen, when God wants it to happen. So what does that, what does that mean for us? Well, We're going to continue talking about that. But what it really means for us is for you and I to be a people who are just as close to Jesus as we can get. You know, I I read one time about uh, people who would follow rabbis, Jewish people would follow their rabbi around. And they would follow their rabbi so close, like a good student, a good disciple, would follow their rabbi so close that they would be covered in the dust of their rabbi. And wherever that rabbi went, they were right there. I remember I was in an airport several years ago and there was, there was a, I guess a rabbi. He looked to be a Hasidic Jew and he had some guys following him <laughs> real close. It's like his entourage, you know. But these were guys that he was teaching and they were following him so closely. And it, through this busy airport, they're all together. Cool hats and, and twirly, you know, uh, sideburns and all that stuff. They had it all going. I thought, man, that's really cool. But for you and I, who is our rabbi? Who is the one we're following? It's Jesus, right? He's, he's that good teacher. He's that, he's that savior of the world. And we should be following him so close that we're just completely covered in Jesus dust. All right? We, that's how it ought to be. And when we are that way, you see, we understand that we, have, we can rest really assured in our life because we understand that his will, so it's going to happen. No matter what the devil throws at you, no matter what your intellect throws at you, here's the thing. God's will is determined. God's will has a specific time, a determined season that it's going to happen. I get excited sometimes because I know for a long time the Lord had been preparing my heart for something different. I wasn't wanting to leave Purim. I loved Purim. I still love Purim. But I knew God was doing something. 
And literally, I was kind of out of the loop. <laughs> when, when Ray called me, I was completely out of the loop. I didn't know that I would even put my resume in. Apparently, somebody else did for me, you know? And, and, I, and I think back on that time that the Lord did that. And that's really what I wanted. To be honest with you, the one thing I always wanted, I wanted these two things, if the Lord was to ever move me from Purim. I wanted Him to move me, and I wanted to go someplace where we had room to grow. (laughs) Does God not answer prayers? And that's a great thing. That's an exciting thing. You know, as you and I get to know each other, as we're we're getting closer to Jesus, and as we're we're making traditions, and we're reaching people, I'm excited about all the folks that are going to get to know Jesus because of this fellowship that God has put together. But at some point, we have to be people who go out from this place. I, I could sit here all day and, and visit with you folks. I could, sit, I could sit here all day. I love my church. I love you guys. But here's what I want you to understand is that there's at some point we have to go out and take our faith outside these doors. And we have to bring people here who need to hear the gospel. At some point that has to happen. And the cool thing is, I don't say that in a bad way because I, here's what I believe. God brought me here. God brought you here. It's going to happen. Because that's God's will. And his will cannot be thwarted. It can't be, it's going to happen in a specific season. The Lord brought us all together in 2022 to bring him glory in this church. What a beautiful thing. Like you don't design this stuff. This is a design of God. So God has a determined season. The last thing I would say is that God's will cannot be altered by outside forces. Now we've kind of already said that, but I want to focus on that just a bit. His will cannot be altered by outside forces. We may think the devil's really powerful, right? But what I know about the devil is he's, he's not really that great at anything. He just, I know some of y'all disagree with me, but here's, here, catch me. Let, me. let me finish, right? I don't think the devil's that good at anything. You know what he does? He rehashes the same lie again and again and again. The same lie he threw before the first people, he's thrown before us today. He's going to get you to doubt God. He's going to get you to put so much value in yourself. And once that happens, what does that do? It takes us out of a mindset to where we can be in line with the will of God. Adam and Eve could have kept going forever and ever, but they allowed, and, and, and I know, we, let's not put all the blame on the devil. I get that. But we know the devil was involved in that though, correct? We know he was there. He was sowing these seeds of, of, of doubt. They made their choice. I get that. But at the same time, he's not that powerful. And our God cannot be altered by anything he's doing. I have some well-meaning brothers and sisters in Christ who really like to argue eschatology and how things are going to happen in the end days. Pre-mid, post-trib. I mean, they got all these, they're coming up with new ones. There was one, it was like post-mid. And I'm like, what? I don't even know what that is. But they got all these different, you know, when is Jesus coming back? How's the end of the world going to happen? Here's what I do know. He is coming back. And that he wins in the end. It's a sure thing. If you want to know God's will, you can look big picture and say, you know what? He, he wins in the end. And so that's where we're at today. That's like, we have to be in that mindset. Quit looking at the, the little minuscule things. And I don't, don't take it wrong. I know the minuscule can seem really big when you're in the moment. I get that. If it's illness or loss or anything like that. But big picture, God's got us. Big picture, God is, he's in control. And there's nothing, no outside force that can thwart what God is doing. God sets it and nothing can come against it. I, uh, I'm secure in my salvation. I'm secure in my ministry, not because I'm, I'm great at any, any of that. 
but I, I'm secure in it because I know who my God is. You know, I, we sometimes I, I am, and I have to watch myself because I am kind of a fly by the seat of my pants kind of guy. Let's just do it. Let's go. Why are we waiting? Well, we got to have a committee meeting. Nope, let's just do it, you know? Let's just do this. And, and, and I know the thing is, is that when we live that way, though, in a big picture way, we, we can be that way. Committee meetings are good. Don't get me wrong. Business meetings are great. But as a believer in Jesus Christ, we are not ruled by those. What we're ruled by is a fact that Jesus Christ himself cannot be defeated. We just celebrated it last week, didn't we? Last time I checked, that tomb was reported as empty. There's no Jesus in there. I mean, he folded those grave clothes because he didn't need them anymore. And he got up and he walked out. And you and I today, that's the Savior that we serve. This Savior that says, you know what? Just trust in me. My will is a sure thing. My will is something that, that's determined. It's going to happen when it happens. And nothing's going to change that. That's the God I serve today. And when I look at this story, I mean, yeah, we could, I can remember learning this as a kid. I'm thinking, oh, Jesus healed a blind man, right? And I remember kind of taking it to that level. Oh, that's how powerful Jesus is. And Jesus really, in this story, he's taking it one step further. And he's like, yeah, but this is happening so that God, so that myself, that we might be glorified. And the bad stuff that's happening to us right now, the tough times that we're going through right now, God's going to be glorified in that. So what does that mean? All right, here's what it means, church. Everybody ready? Get into your word. <laughs> Wednesday night, we've been in Psalm 119 is where we were last week. And um, I'd like you to turn over there and mark this. And I want you to go home and study this, okay? Because we get a picture from the psalmist here as to how he feels about the word of God. And in Psalm 119, verse 97, we really see like this picture that I don't think a lot of times that we fully embrace. We talked a little bit about this thing. You know, preachers are all about preaching styles. I, I like to be an expositional preacher. You know, I'm going to preach verse by verse, so I don't miss anything. It keeps me true to, 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 I believe, the Word of God. But, but there is also a need, I believe, in the church for people to be expositional listeners. In other words, you come to this, to this table as we sit down here to feast on the Word of God. You come to this table and you're looking into the Word and saying, what does this say to me? What does this say? Period. Not bringing your own thoughts, your own theories, and trying to mesh them with this. But no, we come to the Word of God and we say, what does God say about this? The writer here in Psalms, man, he is this expositional speaker, of course, but, but he's also, he's, he's, I believe he's prompting you and I to be listeners on that same level. That when we sit down to study at home or when we sit down in church, we're not saying, well, I, wanna, I want this to fit my, my story. I want this to fit my narrative. No, we need to come before the Word of God and say, God, what are you actually saying right here? Look at Psalm 119, verse 97. Oh, how I love your law. When was the last time you said those words in one sentence? I love speed limits, right? I love gravity. <laughs> I, I, you know, we, we, we don't usually say that. It's not a typical thing, but here this guy is saying, I love your law, God. It's important to me. Now, it's not just important to me. I love it. 
It is my what? My meditation all the day. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies for it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged for I keep your precepts. I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. I do not turn aside from your rules for you have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. What we see here is a person who values the law, the word of God. They're living in that will of God. They understand, God, your ways are way better. There may be some stuff that seems right to me, but your ways are better. And so therefore, I hate my ways. I hate the ways of the world. This is something I just can't handle. What's the saying today? I just can't even, right? I can't even with the sin of the world. I can't even with anything that's apart from Jesus. I can't because I'm so in love with the word of God that I'm so in tune with his word and I'm understanding that his will is something that can never be changed. It's a sure thing and it's going to happen. I, I, I love that, that, that that's a, that's a truth that you and I have today. I could show up today and just say, well, you know, it's, we're not having the 104 plus people here this week. So, oh. I've heard it said, you know, last week was the empty tomb and today's the empty pew. We're doing pretty good today. I don't, I think it's all right. We can get down and out about these kinds of things and we can understand that God's will it supersedes everything and it's going to happen. I'm seeing it happen time and time again in our church. I'm seeing it in our youth group. Guys, I mean, just the numbers, the, 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 the outreach that we've had, the, the ability to get new kids in here, our CAs, our, our adult ministries. There's all this stuff that's going on. I mean, we even have people trying to drive through our building next door. They love this place so much. I don't know if you heard about that, but somebody tried to make our fellowship hall a drive through It's fixed, kind of. <laughs> Your pastor may or may not have gotten shocked the other day, but it's okay. I've been struck by lightning. It wasn't not near as bad as that. But all of this is, is so true that the word of God is something we should love that much. We should like spiritually want to drive through this place because we love the word of God so much. Which by the way, that lady's fine. She just had a medical something or other. I prayed with the family and who knows? Maybe these people we'll see in church sometime. But we should love the law of the Lord just like the psalmist here because one, it's the law of the Lord. Two, it's it's rights. <laughs> There are laws out here that don't make sense sometimes. But God's law makes sense. It's what you and I need. The law of the Lord is the law of heaven. Where are we heading to? Just by chance, does anybody know where we're heading to? To heaven, right? If we're heading to heaven, I think that should be that we understand that we're, you know, we're, 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 we're ambassadors here. We're, we're from another country, honestly. But we live on this planet. And so the laws of heaven or something that we value. Because we're going to spend all eternity there. That's where we're going to be. And the law of the Lord is the law of Jesus. And what Jesus was saying here to them today, he's like, guys, quit, quit getting so judgmental. Quit saying, you know, trying to formulate, well, why is this person, you know, why are they sinners? Why are they blind? Instead, look at it in this respect. I am Jesus, is what he's saying. I am and the light of the world. 
I am the redeeming God, and if you trust in me, I'm going to be glorified in all of this junk. (laughs) What a glorious thing to see that today. The word of God speaks to us in that way so that you and I can walk from this place not as weak-minded individual Christians, but we walk from this place an empowered body of Christ that can change this world. Why? Because that's the will of God. God. That God's will is that all people might know him. And so what are we going? We're going to go from this place. We're going to go from this place and we're going to proclaim the gospel boldly. Because that's how we feel about the plan of God, the will of God on this planet. I'm encouraged today. I hope you are too. But today, if you're, if you're encouraged, go tell someone about this. One thing about being an expositional listener, what we talked about earlier, we went really deep into this the other night. And if you missed it, I've got study notes for it. If you missed it, you should have been here. But if you missed it, we've, we talked a lot about this. And one thing about an expositional listener, someone who listens with the intent to hear God's word, is that they don't just keep it to themselves, but they also go and they tell somebody else. Why wouldn't you tell someone good news? I love telling good news. Hey, good news. That lady didn't completely drive through our building. It was awesome, right? Good news, our electric's still on, <laughs> right? There's all this stuff that we, that we might figure out over time. What we need to know most of all is that Jesus, he's king. And his will is a sure thing. And today, draw close to Jesus. Draw close to the Lord and follow him closely. Would you pray with me? Lord, we love you and we praise you. Thank you for your words today. God, quite frankly, none of us here have enough interesting things to talk about, but we have the gospel. The most important thing that this world needs to hear, we have the gospel. And I pray today that we would proclaim it from from our hearts, from our mouths, to those who need to hear it today. God, if anyone is here today that does not know you, anyone listening to this service later, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to their heart, convict them, and call them. That today, Lord, that they might believe in their heart and confess with their mouth that you are Lord. God, would you call people to you today? Lord, equip your church as I know you have made it possible for us to be equipped. May we pick up our full armor. May we pick up everything you've given us. And Lord, may we just get to work for your gospel glory. What an amazing God that you are. We give this this word to you. Grow it to fruition into our hearts, God. And we ask this in your name. Amen. Amen.